Welcome to the Yoga Teeth Podcast, mindfulness for dental professionals. I'm your host, Heather Bolton. Chansey Euler is an Arizona native and has served in the field of dentistry since 2003. She started out as a dental assistant while doing her prereq courses for dental hygiene school. She graduated from Weber State University with honors in 2008. After working in private practice full-time for six years, she started teaching at the Utah College of Dental Hygiene in 2014. She has since received her master's degree in education and continues to teach both clinical and didactic courses. Chansey served in SADA on the component level and became the treasurer and alternate delegate for UDHA in 2019. She loves dental hygiene and is excited for the opportunity to serve her fellow colleagues in their shared career. When Chansey isn't busy with dental hygiene, she is probably on some grand adventure with her husband and their four boys or reading a good book. She has had an impact and empowerment on dental hygiene and the growth. In reality, the reason why I wanted to invite you and ask you to be on my podcast today was because I feel like you're mindfully empowering change in dental hygiene. I saw that um, as you were my professor as a senior, senior clinic coordinator and you did multiple things to make the school more enjoyable and I just felt like you were humanizing us and treated us like individuals and uh, you really impacted my life. And so I just really, um, I'm just really excited to have you on the show today. Thanks, Heather. I'm excited to be here. And honestly, I feel like I was kind of following your example because you were so good with your classmates about, you know, trying to improve the uh, difficult time that hygiene school is. And so I just wanted to help you contribute to that too. So thank you. But I loved it. I loved all of it and I hope we can like get into a, a bunch of it but can you share a brief or just like how that what that means to you um mindfully empowering change in dental hygiene so to me it just means that I think a lot of people in their life uh automatically think that their circumstances are um, the result of kind of like fate, um, or things are just happening to them. And that's not the case. We are totally in control of our lives and with our careers, you know, dental hygiene has changed a lot in the last, um, couple decades. And I hope to see it change even more. And if, if we don't, aren't part of that change, then who's going to make that change. So I think we need to figure out what we want out of our careers, what we want, maybe not even out of our own careers, but out of the, where do we want to see dental hygiene going? And then finding ways to make those changes. You know, do we need to, um, does the change need to start in education in the classroom for the next generation of hygienists? Does it um, need to change laws in your state, especially if they're kind of outdated? Um, do we just need to make changes in our own life, in our own practice, you know, whether that's private practice or research or public health or education, what can we do to get more fulfillment out of that and enjoy it more? I think yeah. one really cool thing about hygienists is we, 
I mean, hygiene is our job, right? But we, it's also kind of our way of life. <laughs> Not always, yeah. but I feel like for a lot of people it is. Um, and I don't think a, a lot of other professions have that passion that we do. It, I don't see it like float over into their personal lives quite as much, so. Yeah, I totally understand that. I try really hard not to talk about it, but I always, it always ends up coming up. So yeah, yeah, I get it. How yeah, we have, you know, like, I mean, my husband, for example, he owns his own HVAC company and I'm, you know, he doesn't have like little HVAC pins on his shirt or, you know, <laughs> little like air conditioning purse or <laughs> like all the cute things that we like to. Um, oh, that's hilarious. Well. Yeah, I want to design a an air conditioner person. <laughs> there you go. That would be hilarious. I just think it shows how passionate we are about it, and it's not just a career for us. Like it really is a big part of our lives. So, right, I love that so much. Do you have a time in your life or like a moment in time that shapes you to have that attitude, like the empowering attitude? Because some people, they're just like they're always like that but for me I feel like I've had moments where it's like so oh, yeah um, life-changing by either something that has happened in my life or something someone had said yeah I've had a, a couple actually and I <laughs> I think we all you know learning is not a one-time process ever I think we have to have these repeated experiences um one of the ones that honestly didn't change my life at the time but um when I was in high school I had a really difficult childhood um I lived in like foster care and things like that and in high school I was lucky enough to be sent to live with my grandparents I hadn't really met them you know before but um I was kind of finally in like a stable place to live and I that and I was like a teenager that so I was like really smart in school and stuff like that I did really well in school but um just growing up in that type of childhood I wasn't really taught like emotional regulation and things like that and then plus I was a teenager right <laughs> so they struggled <laughs> with that anyways and I just remember like being really frustrated a lot and overwhelmed and I remember talking about it one time and one of my classmates who like grew up with her same two parents in the same exact house in the same town, you know, with her brothers and sisters. And she just was like, you should just choose to be happy. And I was like, why? Like, I was so upset with her. I'm like, you have no idea what my life has been like. So I'm like, yeah, that might be really easy for you to do. Um, but it's not, it's not as easy for everyone else to choose to be happy. And I think another thing that really frustrated me was I was like, I don't know how to do that. Like I'm having all these emotions and feelings and I, I want to be happy, but I don't know how to just choose to be happy. And yeah. And I went on to college. I had scholarships. I went to hygiene school. I was like, a, again, 4.0 student. And, but there were some things in my personal life that just weren't great. And luckily, like several years later, after you know, graduating hygiene school, working in private practice for six years, um, being married, having kids. I found a podcast called Better Than Happy by Jody Moore. And she actually teaches you how to choose to be happy. Like she breaks it down into these little tiny steps. And it was really life-changing for me, I think. Um, I'm just able to listen to her podcast, you know, every week. I actually haven't listened to it for quite a while, but um, 
yeah, she, she teaches you kind of to sum it up. She teaches that you have circumstances in your life and they're very neutral, even, and even though they are neutral, our brain likes to make stories about them. And she talks about how our brain is, you know, in control of our body and our brain is very good at making sure that our body stays away from danger. And so even like very um, neutral circumstances, they'll make very dramatic or dangerous to try to save us from them. <laughs> so, but we actually can have different thoughts about things. So we, when an, an instance occurs, our brain will automatically create a thought about it. But the very first automatic thoughts our brain thinks are usually just very survival oriented. And they're not always the best for us um, if we're doing trying to do more than survive. Like if we're trying to actually thrive in life, um, then we might need to, she calls it trying on different thoughts, kind of like you try on different clothes. If the first thought doesn't like bring you happiness or make you feel good, then maybe try on a different one. So one example of that is like hygiene school's hard, right? That's kind of a fact. <laughs> it could be kind of an opinion too, but I think it's a fact. So, like, <laughs> so I did feels hard. That's your neutral opinion, right? So automatically you're going to be like, oh, I'm going to be so stressed and overwhelmed and it, you know, I'm not going to enjoy it and things like that. And you're like, okay, that's a thought. Um, what other thoughts could I have about it? Could I be like, wow, I'm going to learn and grow so much. And I'm so excited for the change that's going to bring in me or wow, I'm going to have to be with so many people every day. This is going to be a good opportunity for me to you know, work on my interpersonal skills and, and things like that. And so she just says, keep trying on thoughts until you find one that feels good to you and like makes you feel good. Just like, you know, clothes, you're like, oh, well, that shirt. Well, I don't want to wear that today. And then you're like, okay, yeah, I feel good in this shirt. I'm going to wear this one today. So I love that. And I feel like it's so empowering to me because during dental hygiene school, I had a lot of difficult situations that were just devastating for me. And it was like a little overwhelming for me, but we get to choose how we react and we get to practice. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, I am going to have this initial thought and feeling and then, but it takes practice. And I think that's one thing that's good to remember is you're going to not always, (laughs) you're not always going to do that in different circumstances are way harder to think positively about or to have a different thought about and sometimes it's just recognizing like you know what this is really hard and there's not really anything else that I want to get out of it or I'm not in a position that I want to get anything else out of it right now and so I'm just gonna let it be hard yeah exactly I think just saying it's okay to be sad or it's okay that this is hard but I feel like once we accept that we can kind of move on which is nice Instead of forcing ourselves to be happy, like, I'm going to just be happy and be all stiff. No, this is sad. Okay. And then accepting that it's sad or it's hard, like, hygiene school is hard. Okay. Now let's move on. It's able to, you can, like, set yourself free from those emotions and, like, okay, let's try on a new shirt. Exactly like what you're saying. And that's all about yoga is just being present in your own body. And how does this make me feel? I love how you're saying, how does this make me feel? Does this make me feel good? Does it make me not? Like, that's the whole point of that mindfulness. So I love that. So. It really does. It all ties together because we're not letting our circumstances, like I said in the beginning, a lot of people think that where they're at in life is just a result of everything else in their life, you know? 
And it's being mindful is stopping and being like, why am I here right now? Or why do I feel this way? And yeah, and sometimes it's okay to feel angry and upset. I definitely agree that toxic positivity is real. And like that girl, <laughs> I was like, I think you're being a little bit, you know, toxically positive here. Um, but I also think we, yeah, sitting with those hard, hard emotions and letting ourselves feel them instead of trying to like stuff them down or brush them out. Yeah. Cause sometimes even in yoga, especially if you're in shape, like I am, it doesn't feel comfortable, <laughs> but that doesn't mean that it doesn't feel good. You know? Yeah. I think accepting where we're at is like the hardest part. Like, Oh, I want to do a headstand today. Okay. Well, my body doesn't feel like I want to do a headstand. And having like self-love or self-compassion for yourself, I feel like is going to help you have more compassion for others. For example, like if I've been in a yoga class or a dental hygiene or whatever, like it's okay to do baby pose just for like laying on your back the entire time. That's still yoga. Like, um, or if you feel like, okay, I want to work in this office and it might feel a little easy, but that's how it feels good to me. And I'm happy. Like, I think just being okay with where you're at right now, it's totally fine. You don't have to be perfect today. And that's the whole point of dental hygiene school is it is hard, but that's not why we're there. We're there to learn every single day. And I get to be in hygiene school and I got in, I get to learn every day from these professionals. Um, that's how I saw it because it was hard. It was one of the hardest things I've ever done. But Same. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's a great attitude to have. And I think, especially, you know, most hygiene students are typically kind of young. And here I am, you know, 20 years later preaching to the choir, but um, it takes time to learn that stuff. And so that's one thing that I try to remember. You know, I'm like 20 years ago, you were also kind of a hot mess sometimes. So you know, it's, and it's okay to be a hot mess. You know, when my students come in and they're upset and or emotional, I, I fully embrace it. So, cause it's, we're human and we need to have those days. We need to feel those emotions and let them out. And, um, and it is, it's, you know, it's a roller coaster ride. Sometimes hygiene school is amazing. You feel great. You had a great day in class or clinic or on that test. And then sometimes you don't, but that's how life is. And that's how, like I said, learning is, it's very cyclical. Um, and it's very, uh, kind of messy, you know, we have to go back to those lessons usually several times in order to form our own body of knowledge. on it. Right. I totally agree. And I love how you say toxic positivity, because it's something that I've thought about a lot. Like, for example, if you had a student come in, um, because you're this awesome educator that I feel like validates students' concerns. It doesn't matter if you think it's like petty or not. Um, I think validating how they feel is actually empowering instead of like, oh, it'll all work out. That actually can be um, secondary trauma. It, at least to me, it has been. No, that's how I felt in high school when that girl's like, you should just choose to be happy. I was like, what? <laughs> Yeah. So I mean, it stuck with me this whole 30 years, you know? Like, yeah, no, I totally get it. Because I I believe that her intention was completely good. Yeah. But to have something said to you in that moment or in my moment in the past, like when somebody says, it's going to be all okay, it will all work out. Like 
that actually was just like traumatic for me. What if it's not? The point is I'm sad right now mm-hmm. and that's okay. Like it doesn't have to work out because it might work out in a completely different way. And that could be beautiful too. And that's the point. We're all going to have hard times and we can be compassionate towards each other. And I think that's kind of the whole point. So we can be compassionate towards our patients too, because flossing, like talking, I had a patient yesterday that it was really a sensitive subject to talk about flossing. So meeting our patients where they're at, instead of being like, you should floss every day and this and this and this, that's just going to add secondary trauma for them too. But what are your thoughts on that? Oh my gosh. I literally have a story about that too. So when I did live in foster care, I didn't have floss. I probably, they probably would have gave it to me if I asked. I just didn't really ask, you know, and it was one of the first times that I also had a dental appointment in my life. Cause when you live in foster care, they make you get your, you know, medical checkups and dental appointments and things like that. And I remember the dentist was like, do you floss? And I felt like I should say yes. So I did. And he's like, I know you don't, don't lie to me. And I just, like, I was like, I don't really have control over that. You know, like I don't even have access to floss. I'm just like a middle school kid. (laughs) Like, so it, and it's again, 30 years later, still stuck with me. Like it's very traumatizing. And so I tell my students that we talk about that a lot. I'm like, even when patients say they do floss and you don't think they do, they could, they could be putting in the work, but maybe they're not doing the correct way. And so they're not seeing the benefits from it. Um, they could be, they could have a systemic condition that even with brushing and flossing, their body's still overreacting to plaque, you know? So yeah, we have to be super, super empathetic of, as an educator with my students, but also with our patients too, because we don't know what they're, you know, we have to take into consideration their, their home life, their culture, um, you know, their beliefs, what they've been taught. Uh, even their mental state of mind, that's super important. You know, um, sometimes it's all people can do to like get up in the morning and take a shower. And so it's like, can we incorporate brushing or flossing into that? It, you know, incorporating it into things they already do instead of making them feel overwhelmed with more things to do. Yeah. I, all my hygiene, that is a perfect story because it shows compassion for others. Like it can be a really sensitive subject. And I think people just say, okay, you need to floss more. Like, how about we meet where they're at exactly like where you're talking about like, okay, well, why do you not like flossing? Or if they say that they are flossing and it seems like they're not, okay, well, um, let's, can you show me how you do it? Because sometimes a lot of times, like even myself, I floss really quick and my technique isn't the best. And so my gums aren't the healthiest. Like I think talking about like ourselves, like how we're not perfect kind of eases the patient. At least I've seen that with my practice. Like I don't floss every day. I know that it's hard. Like even if that is just a certain time in your life, they don't necessarily need to know that. Like, okay, I'm not going to say that I floss 365 days a year. Like I'm sure that I've missed one day. And so I can say (laughs) that I don't floss every day. Like, and just meeting them exactly where they're at. And I had a patient the other day where she, her probe depths were three and under and it looked, she had no tartar buildup, but she had so much blood like everywhere when I was cleaning her and I had the right angle. (laughs) The instrument was the right angle. And so uh, like halfway through the appointment, I asked her like, are you, have you had any new diagnosis or anything? And she's like, no, like, cause she had already said that at the beginning of the appointment, but then 
I asked her again, like in the middle, and she's like, well, actually they're testing me for diabetes right now. And so then we could have that. And I told her, like, I hope you don't have diabetes, but if you do, um, this is, you might have to, I know it's not fair, but you might have to work a little harder than most people. And then we talked about how diabetes can affect oral health. And so just being mindful of that instead of just assuming that they're not flossing well, exactly like yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also, you know, if even if they say that they are and you don't think they are just asking them like, well, what do you have access to? What type mm -hmm. of stuff do you prefer? You know, we know that string floss is a little bit more effective than flossers, but I don't use string floss. <laughs> it's like so yeah. inconvenient. So, you know, and like you said, meeting them where they are and yeah, just letting them know, like, you know, if you, if you aren't able to floss that, I, I totally understand that. What else can we do? Can we get you on a mouth rinse? Can we get you in here more often to see me? Um, what else can we, would you be willing to try or do that works for you? Right. I, I totally agree. Like, I think having like a, a preface of not high expectations also helps. I don't know your thoughts of this, but like, when I, I ask them if they floss or how often they brush before I even look in their mouth, so then they don't feel judged. Like I say like, oh, well, I haven't even looked in your mouth yet. So I ask all my patients this, like how often do you realistically brush and floss? Like no judgment, I'm just here to help you. And, and I'm not perfect either. And I feel like that helps them be a little like more honest. Obviously you're still gonna have those patients that it's like, I don't know what to say, but I feel like that's helped a lot. Like, oh, I only floss like twice a week or. That's a super like that smart tip. Yeah, I would have never, I've never done that and wouldn't have thought of it. But yeah, if you do it before you've looked in their mouth, then yeah, that probably takes a lot of their feelings of judgment away. Even though I don't know about all the hygienists, but I'm like, I'm really not judging you anyways. <laughs> but right, I, right. I would feel judged if I were them for sure. So yeah, I get that. That's yeah, cool. and then also saying like, um, no judgment. I'm here to help you. So we yeah. can, like, make realistic goals. Like, I feel like that helps because then it's like, oh, okay. Like that's not as scary, but obviously like every patient is different. Do what your judgment is, but I feel yeah. like it helps because I want to help them. I, and like my hygienist, he, um, I told him like, I hate brushing. I mean, flossing my kids teeth. It's hard. They cry the whole time and all the things. And then he gave me all these tips, like and met me where I'm at, like, okay, we'll floss their teeth, which is floss picks while they're laying in bed. And that was a huge game changer. So we can come up with like realistic goals if we know where they're actually at. Yes, totally. I don't know if it was your idea, but flossing at red lights. Yeah, I say that I'm like, I'm tell my, I used to tell my patients like, you can floss anytime during the day. It, I mean, ideally we always say like in the morning or at night, but, um, I floss right after I eat dinner. Cause I go to bed kind of early I'm always <laughs> at the end of the day. I wonder why. Um, but I'm like, I don't want to brush and floss my teeth like right before bedtime. I'm so tired. So I will often brush or floss like after dinner, if I don't eat anything else, you know, or sometimes I do eat stuff still. And I'm like, whatever, that's going to go on tomorrow. Um, yeah, so lot meeting patients, lots of different ways. Flossing and brushing in the shower, um, carrying little floss picks and little Ziploc baggies or different baggies and having them like where you watch TV, at your desk, at work, um, in your car, all those in your purse, you know. And then when you see them, you're like, oh, I'm going to floss real quick. I just saw that. So, 
Yeah, I, I love that. I think that's the important part of why we need to get to know our patients and have that personal um, note because then we can know where they're at. Like, did they just have a baby? Are they stressed? Or do they have a emotionally draining job or all that? Because then we can have those ideas, like exactly what you're saying. Yeah. And I love that you said like, no judgment. And I always just tell my patients, like, I'm your oral health um, professional. Like I'm here to serve you. So what questions do you have? How can I help you? And I just tell them like anything that I tell you is in the spirit of just education. Like if there's no judgment, I don't want you to feel lectured to. I just want you to know that I have a lot of knowledge that I feel like can help you. And if you're wanting to know, you know, if you have questions and you should ask us, I think I like to put myself in their shoes too. Like I only go to the doctor maybe once a year, once every other year, I don't really need to go. But when I do go, I have to take off work, you know, drive down there, find a babysitter. If I, you know, didn't have one, it's kind of a lot of work. And then when I go in, I, if I don't have like all my questions answered, then I'm like, why did I even come here today? (laughs) So I think when we're in, in this, um, setting every day it's our home we're used to it we're comfortable in it you know and we're like oh whatever questions I didn't have I'll get answered tomorrow these patients are only here once a month once every six months once a year once every five years you know um so just let them know like I'm here for you I'm here to answer your questions or you know, address your concerns um what are they and then you know from your assessment and stuff you're going to probably have your own concerns as a dental hygienist but we have to make sure that we're addressing their concerns as well. Yes, I think addressing their concerns first, even if that's not like the order of the treatment plan is so vital because then they feel heard. And I yes. feel like if they feel heard and safe with you, then they'll be more honest in the future with you. Totally. Yeah, and that doesn't always happen in one appointment, you know, and um, that's why we hope that they come back and we can build that relationship with them. And to be honest, our job is, like top of the list for like hardest jobs in a lot of different categories. We're not always on our game every single day. And we have to accept that that's going to be a reality too. You know, we can't put too much pressure on ourselves to be perfect and to answer all the questions and do all the things in one hour appointment. Um, We just have to hope that we can build that relationship with them and that they'll keep coming back. And over the years, we'll be able to, you know, get them to a stabilized condition or answer their questions or get them, you know, to a really good home care routine that works for them, things like that. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, I feel like one thing that like really impacted my dental hygiene education was your passion for oral health education. That's something that I really care about because you're right. They only come twice a year. So in reality, what we do is really not that important, even though it still is what, how we educate them and what they're doing at home is so much more important than what we do. We're just an aid for them. And so like a resource, we, yeah, to help yes. give them information and knowledge and suggestions, but right, exactly. And so we don't want to get too crazy here. So even if I give them like three ideas, I'm like, let's not get too crazy. Let's think of one. So yeah, and give them ideas. different ideas and let them choose. Like, which yeah. one do you think will work better for you? Right. And even if they try that one, they're like, I don't, this isn't working. But then they might remember the other suggestion you had and they're like, oh, I'll try that one. Yeah, exactly. Let them choose. Here's a couple ideas. What do you like? Okay. You want to pick the flossing with that technique? Okay, cool. Let's start out with once a week. You can do it more, but let's pick a day. 
And let's say, okay, they picked Wednesday. Okay, great. Let's every Wednesday you can floss. That can be your flossing day. And if you do more, that's great. But I think it's awesome if you just do Wednesday and compliment them on what they're doing. Like with like, yeah. I've worked in a period office and they um, just having them be here, be in the office. That's, that's amazing. a big deal. Yeah. That is their step towards like, that's their first step and try and treat them like a superhero or um that they're so amazing that they're taking this step because it's scary if they've never been to the dentist. Like treat them like they are like the most amazing person ever because they are, they are taking a step towards progression. Yeah, totally. Um, I love that you talked about that, especially the uh, positive reinforcement. That's something that I kind of struggle with, <laughs> with myself, with my students, you know, my kids, things like that. But it really, it doesn't have to be big or grand. I think that's why I kind of struggle with it because I, I want to feel authentic and genuine, genuine right. when I provide it. Um, but it takes practice too. So yeah, it, and just... Um, finding out what feels comfortable for you, but even just giving little feedback, you know? And I think a lot of times we think it, we just need to take the extra step to share it, so. Right, it, it is hard because you wanna be authentic because I can feel it when somebody's being authentic. So yeah, I totally agree. I, I do believe like if they are even in the dental chair, even if they come every six months, like that's amazing because you have to take off work, like. Yeah. And I think that's important for them to hear because it totally validates their time and that they're important. And I, I totally agree with that. You have to be authentic, obviously. Don't be all sarcastic. Well, and everyone's different, right? Like I see you and you're right. so bubbly and everyone loves you and, and, and <laughs> give feedback, you know, and be so positive. And my positive feedback is more like, you know, I'm really glad you're here today or just like little kind of quieter things, but it's well, authentic to me. So that everyone has a different personality that yeah. they connect with, like more yeah. serious patients or people that don't want to be like complimented, like might dislike me, but I'm not going to take that personally. I just want them to find a good fit for them. Like, yes, it's someone, so true. Yeah. yeah. In the office I worked at, we kind of had two different personalities and my patient, yeah, our patients kind of followed our personalities too. I was the more kind of quieter, serious and our other hygiene, super personable and um, and I love that you said to just accept, cause I was, I always thought as a young hygienist, I'm like, Oh, I need to be more like her, but I just really wasn't. <laughs> and so it's just not my personality, but, uh, I had patients that, you know, became a really loyal following that made some big changes in their oral health and in their life. And yeah, so just be, accept yourself and see where you can improve, but don't try to be someone else. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not be someone else. Let's be our best self because yes we all can be our best self and then we can all be our best office. Yes. But just all supporting each other, even in the inner office, like we can adapt and um, adopt other techniques from other hygienists, but that doesn't mean we have to change our personality. Like your personality was like amazing for me in dental hygiene school, because like, even though you're um, like um, selective on your compliments, I knew um your compliments meant a ton to me. Like I can remember, like it might've been like two or three compliments that you gave me in hygiene school, but I remember them like word for word. And sometimes if we are selective, then they're even more impactful. So it like, yeah, I my patients might not even remember what I said. They might remember how I feel, 
but your patients might remember like word for word what you said. That makes which sense. Would also yeah. be um, powerful. Yeah. And I think going back too to what you were saying about how they're only there twice a year, you know, and we need to educate them kind of goes back to what I said in the beginning about how I think a lot of people think that where they're at in life is just a result of fate. And I think people especially think that about their mouth. Like it doesn't matter what I do. If I brush or floss, I'm still going to have cavities or gum disease. And it's like, you might, that's a thought, right? Like, yeah, you might, um, or you might not, uh, just, yeah. Like, let's figure out where you do have power. Um, cause I do know people that brush and floss and do still get cavities, you know? So what else can we do? Like brushing flossing is definitely not the, you know, end all answer. It's a good start, but if they feel that way and feel frustrated, we need to be their resource for other ideas. Like what else can we do to help you? And just let them know, like, that is really frustrating. I do have patients that are like that. Sometimes it's genetic or systemic. Um, but I think if we work as a team, we could maybe get that under control. It might be you doing different things at home or coming to see me more often, but I really want our patients and even our hygiene students to know that life is a result of what they make it, not just what's happening to them. Yeah, I absolutely love that so much. The, I recently came across a quote and it said, we don't wait until life isn't hard anymore to be happy we can, we can be happy during the difficult times too, but that doesn't mean you won't have moments of sadness. Like let yourself be there. Let yourself be sad. Yeah. Um, let that it feel like, yeah. but then we can also be professional. One thing that has helped me and this is genuine. Um, I get paid to be at work. So, and I'm assuming my boss or the dentist that I'm with doesn't want me to be this um, whiny person that is just look sad to be there. Like I am assuming that I get paid to be happy and it's not that I'm like faking it, but I'm like, I'm going to have that professional attitude at work. Even if I'm having like a sad day, that doesn't mean I can't be happy like for my patients and have it still be genuine. But obviously that takes time and that's a mindset like, okay, I'm sad today, but that doesn't mean that I'm not sad with my patients, but you have to do it in a genuine way and not be all like toxic about it and pretend because that could just be more damaging. And then you're crying all day after work. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, I mean, I feel like I've cried at work a couple of times probably, but yeah, I think in general, you need to know, you know, where you're at, what your responsibilities are. And I've even, you know, yeah, I've been, I've worked through some really hard times in my life and work has kind of been like my respite and my joy, you know, it's like, man, this part over here in my life is really messy and hard right now. And I get to go to work and see these patients and kind of take my mind off of that for a while. It's funny too. I, I feel like very recently in my life, I've learned that you kind of attract what you need. Like even sometimes when I am struggling and having a hard time in this one part of my life. And then, like I said, I'll go to work and maybe a coworker will make a comment about something or my patient will talk to me about that they're having a similar problem. And it just always amazes me how, um, you know, even in these different aspects, you can learn these things or, um, you know, just even have empathy with these people that are kind of going through similar situations. Yeah, I actually totally agree. I'm not going to get into details or anything, but there was a time and you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about, but the details don't have the point. Um, I was going through like a difficult time, like my last semester, I think. And I went to you and I talked about it and you told me about a story that you had experienced. And 
you had been the only other person that I had ever known that had a similar story. And that like totally impacted me. Like it's exactly like the universe. It just provides for us and like the dental hygiene world. It's so small. It's so cool. Like we meet these people that are so empowering. If that's our patients, our dentists, our students, our professors, like we're not alone. We're all in this together. And I feel like if we treat our patients or our students or our professors, like we're all humans. Um, and then we don't necessarily feel alone and we feel empowered that we can do this. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, hygiene is one of the hardest professions It's at the top of the list in a lot of different rankings. And, um, I think, yeah, being aware that we can make changes when we are happy with where things are at. And then also knowing that we have that network of people that can help us too. I don't, you know, I know not all, every hygienist has time to go up to the Capitol and talk to their legislators or try to change laws or, you know, change, you know, whole processes or programs within their practice and things like that. But if we all just take small steps every day to try to improve our profession and our own careers then eventually it will happen and what I said in the beginning too is you know a lot of changes I'm advocating for I probably won't see in my career you know I'm older than <laughs> a, a lot of my students um but I'm still going to advocate for it so even though I might not see the benefits of it I hope that the hygienist and mostly the patients will you know um that's mostly what we're we're advocating for is changing laws and things like that to increase access to care, increase access to oral health education, things like that. Yeah, I love that. I totally agree. I just want to thank you again for coming on my podcast today because I feel like you have so much knowledge and you are a, a pure, genuine example of a, coming from, um, I believe that the greatest struggles have like the most powerful triumphs and you're just the epitome of that. Oh, thanks, Heather. I know that you've also been through a lot and I do think it, um, you know, I think we do need to feel those emotions and feelings and realize that we have been through some hard things. And I mean, trauma does change you, um, but we can overcome it. I definitely didn't want to be a statistic. I wanted to make my own life despite what I was handed at birth, you know? And I want everyone else to know that they can do that too. And you are definitely a living proof of that too. So thank you. We're just all doing the best we can and we don't have to pretend to be happy. Like I'm sad today. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. But we're but I'll still, yeah, I'll still yeah, do yeah, my yeah. job. It's just, yeah, it's okay to be human and be different. Yeah. Yeah. Emotions. I totally agree. And if you don't like something about your life, then change it. Like, and like we can complain about it and like vent maybe for a moment, but if you don't like something, do something about it. And just the same thing, like I would floss once a day and I would still have bleeding. And so I changed it. And I'm, I loved it so much. Like the, I loved it. The, yeah. Thank you so much. I feel like you have so much knowledge and I could, I would love to have you on again, like in months from now, because the, I feel like I could just talk to you all day. <laughs> yeah. I feel the same. And yeah, I would be happy to come back a different time. Yeah, that would be awesome. Thank you again so much. I really appreciate it. You're just like so amazing. And then you, you're like, I'm not going to lie. You are one of the most like hardest CIs for me. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. You, you intimidated me, but like in a good way. I'm not saying this as an insult, but then yeah. when you were my CI before you became the clinic coordinator, like you gave me a compliment 
and you said something like, you're way too hard on yourself, Heather. And you being like the hard one for me saying that like really was like a game changer for me. I'm like, oh, maybe it really is true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it's kind of hard because I think we want to feel confident in ourselves and not second guess ourselves. But sometimes we do need other people's validation. And like, mm-hmm. am I being too hard on myself? And like, oh, she said I am. So maybe I am. <laughs> Thank you again to our guest, Chancy Euler, for being on this podcast episode. I will put her contact info and other details in the notes. If you have any mindful tips that can improve a dental hygiene career, I would love to hear them. I am always wanting to improve on this important topic. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Yoga Teeth. I'm Heather Bolton, the yogi hygienist. Namaste.